Hello, everybody, and welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO, 16:90 a.m. in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. So, folks, we're excited to do this show for you this week. We got a lot to talk about. There are no more undefeated teams left in the NFL. We will definitely jump into that and a lot more here on the Power Hour. Thank you for tuning in, Dominic. How's it going, my man? And I'm pumped to do the show with you. I'm doing great, William. What a bizarre week in the NFL, to say the least. Hey, you could uh, you could definitely say that again. That's what we love here on the Power Hour. Let's jump into it right away, Dominic. I'm going to throw it over to you to uh, help us dissect quite a few good and all games that happened this weekend. So which game you want to start with? Let's start with the shocker in New York, the Jets beating Philadelphia 20-14. to Wow, William, I was laughing at this pick that you made last week. Big upset special. Boom, it hits 20 to 14. I mean, Zach Wilson. Who is Zach Wilson? I mean, this guy wasn't the greatest quarterback, but you know what? As we speak, he is winning football games, and that is all that matters. It seems like there's an aura currently with the Jets seeing Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines, kind of like being the symbol of hope for the New York Jets organization. And for whatever reason, the players are living up to this hope. You know, they're sitting three and three right now. Weirder things have happened. William, right off the bat, are the Jets a playoff team? Oh, man, Dom, I look, I love the question. I love the hype. They're they're not a playoff team. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Dolphins fan and they're my rival. However, I wanted to get into their schedule the next three games. Right now, look, they're not a playoff team, Dom, because of how good the AFC uh, is this year in terms of their uh, their talent and, you know, how few teams make the playoffs in the NFL. It's unfortunate just how it goes. But if you ask me this question two or three weeks from now, Dom, I may have a different answer. I've said that this team was going to be in the AFC Championship. Granted, when Rodgers went down, I was the first one to say, see you later, Jets. But there's something weird happening with the New York Jets. They should have never won against the Eagles. I mean, never. And yes, you could say potentially out there that this game was a fluke. But there seems to be ballers in New York right now for that Jets organization. It's like... Could they potentially, this entire team, drag Zach Wilson, as bad as he is, to the playoffs? And is Aaron Rodgers going to make a miraculous comeback a lot sooner than people think? That's the other million-dollar question. Anyhow, the Jets won this football game 20-14. to Jalen Hurts didn't have a a great game. You know, he threw three picks, and that was pretty much the big reason why they lost this football game. It was huge. And, you know, a few things went into my uh, my, my upset pick. I think that, look, some of them is just you kind of got to go with with your gut there. And there's always that big upset of the week. And a lot had to do with, yeah, Jalen Hurts and this offense. It, I felt like it was a matter of time before, you know, something happens. I didn't expect this team to go undefeated. Um, I do think that they're still one of the better teams in the NFL. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, later on. But I think it was just a matter of time before something happened. And when they play a defense like the New York Jets, that something did happen, right? He threw the three picks, uh, one of them being terrible, his, his, um, his uh, pick that led to the uh, touchdown there from Hall was, he was double, co- I don't know what he saw, it was third down, uh, there was double coverage there and threw right to the linebacker who took it almost to the house. And you can see the frustration for the Eagles in this game, right after that pick happened, they get the ball back and he has A.J. Brown on like a simple drag route and he throws it over the top of him. Uh, and, you know, it, it looked like it was nervousness or pressure from the Jets and he was visibly upset was A.J. Brown. And that's the thing with guys like A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, First thing, you know, my dad said is, I like it. He he likes to see the enthusiasm and the willingness to win. And you know what? There's a part of me that likes it too. I want to see guys that want to go out there and win games. Not Jay Cutler type guys that are all shucks. You know, I'm going to throw a touch on here and a pick there and it is what it is. AJ Brown's a guy who wants to win, but it sometimes backfires when you're in an environment like New York. The crowd is loud. You want to feel like you're being supported by your team. And it just didn't really seem to be like that for AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts. And, you know, credit this New York Jets team. They were without two of their starting cornerbacks, one of them being Sauce Gardner, Dom. Um, 
And that was super, super impressive. And I don't, I making my pick, I didn't think that Gardner was going to be out. Uh, and it was just like, I think you described it perfectly. The Jets have been weird. They're three and three. They shouldn't, you can make the case they shouldn't have won this game. How the heck did they win the first game of the season uh, against the Buffalo Bills when Aaron Rodgers went down and all that happened and Zach Wilson hasn't looked good? This team is sitting at three and three right now. They have a bye week next week. Then they have the New York Giants that don't look good. They have the Chargers that the Chargers seem very beatable at the moment. And then they have the Raiders. So you're looking at a team now, Dominic, in the New York Jets that could potentially, potentially be six and three when they play the Buffalo Bills. And even a five and four record after nine games for this team would be a successful. If you ask me if they're a playoff team, I don't think you would be that crazy or or I guess I could say thinking outside the box as much as you make the case that they are. Because defensively, these guys are good and they were getting to G and Hurts and they play with passion. That's what I love about this team. Salah has these guys playing with you know a different type of swag, aura, and I I really feel like everyone is believing now and regardless of the struggles by Zach Wilson and you know his inability he's been winning games I think you said it well and the vibe on New York seems to be great and it's kind of that Friday the 13th Halloween what the heck is happening in New York and at the bottom line they've won games ugly but they found win to ways to win games and they just beat the, the Philadelphia Eagles as long as you have a great defense in the NFL any Sunday you got an opportunity and this is what the Jets did you know, they took this opportunity. They got this aura with Aaron Rodgers. They drank the Aaron Rodgers Kool-Aid, even though he's not even playing. And for whatever reason, this team is playing at another level. Now, granted, guys like Quincy Williams, CJ Mosley, and Jordan Whitehead, these guys, for me, they splash on the tape. In other words, you can't miss them. They, they're constantly making plays. And to me, Somehow, I actually do feel like the Jets sitting here today could potentially make the playoffs. That's what I think. Now, I know that in my personal opinion, Zach Wilson is not a great quarterback. But mm. stranger things have happened. Brees Hall is a superstar. Garrett Wilson is another superstar. So there's ways to get points on the board. It's up to the coaching staff of the Jets to get it done. And right now they're doing it. They really are, Dom. And I think that you touched on a, a lot of great stuff there. Um, and yeah, it's crazy to think that this team is three and three. I was the advocate of get Zach Wilson the heck out of New York. And look, he's proved that uh, right now he may not be the cream of the crop there, but he has been getting the job done. Let's go to another undefeated team that was knocked off. Like my dad and I like to say as big Dolphins fans, uh, the 72 Dolphins were popping champagne as there will be no undefeated teams winning the Super Bowl this year. Don Shula in heaven just popped the champagne. So always good to, uh, good when the last undefeated team loses as a Dolphins fan. The Cleveland Browns win 19-17 to over San Fran. We'll talk about the injuries after. Now, uh, in this game, Deshaun Watson didn't play. And yes, you can make the case that San Fran was down arguably their two best players. Uh, Samuel was injured. McCaffrey was injured. But throughout this game, I never felt Cleveland was going to win. It was always that, okay, you know, it's close, it's close, close. But, okay, San Fran's going to pull away. When are they going to pull away? Why aren't they pulling away? And then for that missed field goal there at the end of the game, it just seemed to be a type of game where Cleveland had almost a bit of false hope. And, you know, that you really felt snake bitten for the fans. They were going to end up losing this game, but they didn't, and they won. And I think that the biggest shocker for me in that game was just you always find um, if you're a great team, ways to win games no matter who's playing. It's kind of like the Chiefs. They lose this receiver, that receiver. They find a way to win. And I really thought that was going to be the case for San Fran. But Brock Purdy, I could say that this was the first time I've really seen him kind of look rattled, uh, missing his throws, uh, kind of getting down on himself, you know, with his facial expression. And you got to give credit to Cleveland and this defense. Deshaun didn't play in this game. Um, they had a P.J. Walker throwing for, uh, for them, did Cleveland. And, uh, you know, Credit uh, this, uh, you know, this Cleveland defense for bending and not breaking specifically. There were times where, you know, they gave up yards. And even there at the end, that field goal was a field goal that the Moody should have got. But he didn't get it. It wasn't a chip shot. And the Cleveland comes up victorious. And now you got to focus on the injury concerns for San Fran. Hopefully they'll be back there and healthy. But, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on this game? Is it a more impressive win by Cleveland? Do you think that after all this, we see Brock Purdy as part human? What are your uh, kind of uh, first uh, initial uh, reactions after this win by Cleveland? My initial reactions are the obvious. This is the product of a team that got two key injuries. Granted, the NFL is all about depth, but Trent Williams, big player. Christian McCaffrey, big player. I mean, these guys, without them, it really shows 
what kind of quarterback potentially Brock Purdy might be, right? So is Brock Purdy right now, we talked about all year, is this his first game with regards to adversity that we're going to see the real Brock Purdy? I'm starting to say yes a little bit. You know, 12 for 27, 125 yards, one TD. That is not great statistics, right? So yeah. let's see if this happens again. Cleveland are, are known to have one of the best defense in the NFL, but they didn't do great things other than running the football fairly well. You know, Je- Jerome Ford had a decent game, 17 carries, 84 yards. And Kareem Hunt, another decent game, 12 carries, 47 yards. That clock was turning, right? So the defense became more valuable for the Cleveland Browns. But at the end of the day, San Francisco still had a 41-yard kind of like automatic field goal. You know, Mm -hmm. they positioned themselves to win the game and San Francisco kind of like got robbed, in my opinion. However, you know, Cleveland still played decent, decent enough to win the football game. So we can't take anything away from them. They were sitting at three and two. And that's another potential team that could be very well in the playoffs when that starts in January. Yeah, a few already pretty pretty crazy thing. We're already in October. Yeah, I think that you know where uh, the key concerns there for San Fran over you know losing obviously is, is never fun. But you want to make sure your two stars are healthy. Uh, latest report says they could play in Week Seven, so it doesn't look like it's going to be anything serious. And the uh, amount of missing serious time or IR or season ending, thank God, that would be uh, tough there for San Francisco. But yeah, I think it just shows how well this team is built. Right with that win. Um, without these kind of superstars uh it makes it tough and it makes when they're when the team is healthy it shows you how well this team is built you know with the running back the star receivers the tight ends uh, i would have liked to see Kittle step up a little bit uh with uh, with the absence of those two guys you know he's had a very quiet year with the exception of uh, of their last game uh, against the dallas cowboys but uh yeah i think that you know it would have been a time for for Kittle to kind of step it up there uh one loss for san fran won't be a huge deal uh, and uh, you know the eagles ended up losing two so it should be a, a cool battle for first place there may be other teams like the Detroit Lions or teams I'm not thinking of that could come in and sweep that that number uh that number one seed and get the the buy there so two undefeated teams going down Eagles and 49ers uh now every team with at least one loss exciting stuff to see it was a fun and weird week in the NFL let's continue to recap some games though let's go to another weird game the Cincinnati Bengals against the Seattle Seahawks Cincinnati takes it 17-13 This is another game that I thought, you know, Cincinnati won the football game, but did they really deserve to win this football game? Yeah, I guess they did. But ah, Gino, Gino, Gino could not do anything in the red zone. I will chalk this loss to Gino Smith. I think that Gino Smith was the reason why the Seattle Seahawks lost this football game. You got to start converting in the red zone and you can't be scared. And I think Gino, among a lot of other quarterbacks in the league, when they get in the end zone, they just can't pull the trigger. It's like, you know, guys that have been in the NFL for a long time and, you know, have felt the adversity of being the guy that lost the game for the team. That kind of like, it's always in the back of your mind, it seems, and they can't seem to pull the trigger and gain back that confidence that you need to have to win football games. It's like they're hesitant. You know, I think guys like Dak Prescott, that's another great example of a guy who gets into the red zone and unfortunately he can't make it happen. Well, Gino, unfortunately in this game was the reason why I thought that the Seattle Seahawks lost this football game. But let's talk about the positives. You know, Joe Burrow for Cincinnati, 24 for 35, 185 yards, not a great game. But, you know, are we starting to see him kind of coming back into his own? That's debatable. But Jamar Chase, six receptions, 80 yards. You know, this is the lifeblood currently of the Cincinnati Bengals. For whatever reason, Cincinnati is just not running the football. And it's putting that much more pressure on Joe Burrow, who's not 100%. Let's be honest. As much as he might say, yeah, guys, I'm feeling 100%. No, don't buy it. Don't buy it at all. You would see this team popping up more than 17 points against the Seahawks. Obviously, T. Higgins is another receiver that is hurt for Cincinnati. This team's banged up. I don't believe in Cincinnati right now. The more and more that I look at them, the more and more I'm like scratching my head thinking if they yeah. don't run, if they don't run the football, they're going to start losing a lot of football games. They're sitting three and three right now. They did not deserve this football game, but yet they will fight to live another day because at three and three right now, you're right in the thick of things in the AFC. 
Yeah, they have a bunch of time to turn it around. You look at their two two of their three wins. They gave up 16 points to the Rams, 13 points to the Seahawks. This defense is probably not getting enough credit as it should. You know, think about the stars on this team. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Mixon obviously being the, like, the three big names there. And you know, talk about Higgins and Boyd. We didn't mention this defense much. But yeah, I see this defense really goes, uh, the, the win really goes to defense getting two picks there on uh, on Smith there. He, he was able to march down the field through for over 300 passing yards. But like you said, I'm not able to get it done in the red zone and I thought I had this Bengals team somewhat figured out but I, I just don't seem to and the, the way that they, this offense is struggling and the way that they're having to, to nickel and dime up the field kind of worries me because that's not really their bread and butter they like to take their deep shots their play action and uh, Joe Mixon unfortunately hasn't been able to to kind of carry his load so look a big win nonetheless for the Bengals are sitting at three and three but definitely is something to keep an eye on as they head into next week all right, so we already talked about a few games, our two undefeated teams going down. We talked about the Bengals, a low-scoring victory over the Seattle Seahawks. I want to go now to Monday Night Football, Dallas Cowboys over those L.A. Chargers. The Cowboys win this game 20-17. to uh, It was a game that I really thought the Chargers were going to win. Uh, the Cowboys did not look good in their previous week uh, when they got shellacked by the 49ers. And, you know, I thought the Chargers were eventually going to, you know, start to kind of figure out the, their groove. They had won the game before. But, you know, to me, the thing that sticks out, and I've always been, uh, uh, you know, kind of a supporter of uh, of Herbert. And, you know, I, I like the way that, you know, he commands the, the pocket. I like the way he kind of steps up. I like the way he could run, his athleticism, his gun of an arm, his accuracy. And, uh, you know, I'd say this is... Maybe one of the first times I can say I really feel like this game was on him is he was just missing throws and I don't think it was really anything more than that. Not like it was, the, the pressure was getting to him, of course. His O-line didn't do a great job. But, you know, sometimes a guy just misses a throw, right? And it's not the O-line. It's not the defense making a crazy play. And I think a lot of it in this game was that. It was Herbert just missing throws. A really good double move late in the game by uh, Keenan Allen. He just missed him there. Uh, and there was, you know, a few throws that his receivers made great catches. Palmer being one of them over the top. It ended up being a flag. But that ball should have been... Uh, incomplete but his receiver made a great play Herbert didn't look good in this game and he looked rattled uh, from start to finish I know you know I was kind of surprised because it's rare I, we see that from him he's you know he's calm cool collected and you know accurate I think the thing that I, I like the most about him is that uh, I feel like he's an accurate quarterback um He's able to read the defense. I think his reads were okay in this one, but just the throws weren't there, right? Sometimes that touch isn't there. And I think that was evident in this one. And it was it was surprising to me because this was a game that the Chargers should have won. They're sitting at 2-2. Two and two. They're home. They're playing the Dallas Cowboys that looked really poor the previous week. If the Chargers want to be the Chargers, we know they can be. There's no excuses to lose this football game. I know they're down Mike Williams, but he usually ends up getting injured at some point of the season. And they have to find ways to win games. And I know it was Eckler's first game back, but if if you're the Chargers, I really feel like you have to find a way to win this game. Credit the Cowboys. Uh, you know, they look they look good. Pollard had a, a nice big run there. CD Lamb looked good. Um Offense, you know, Dak Prescott looked okay. Didn't look, didn't look anything special. Their defense played pretty solid. And Michael Parsons got a huge sack when it mattered. But Herbert, I think that if you got to point a finger in this one, I think it, it points to him because he was uh, not as as accurate as we're used to seeing him be. That's for sure. I agree with you, William. I think that. Uh... Herbert didn't have his greatest game. He's obviously playing the Cowboys, who were going to obviously be a lot better than they were the previous week. Mm -hmm. But I keep on saying the Chargers are a great team, but unfortunately have a horrible coach in Brandon Steely. I'm going to ask you this, William. Yeah. Why in the world did the Chargers draft Quentin Johnston if they're not going to play this guy? Exactly. Why well, did they draft this guy? Yeah. And that's exactly what I was saying. I I was looking at the game and I was like, okay, well, yes, they're down Williams for the year, but where's this Johnson guy, this guy that's supposed to be such a baller and such a great high pointer? Yeah, that comes with coaching, not developing enough plays for the guy. I understand Joshua Palmer is a great slot receiver, but you got to give the ball to Quinton Johnston. Otherwise, why is he on this football team? If he's not going to be that good, I mean, that's just a bust of a player. But I don't think from the tape that I saw, this guy's not a bust. He just needs to give be given a lot more opportunities. Maybe there's things that we don't see in practice, but right now, that's a huge red flag. This guy should be getting a lot more stats than he is. But anyways, that's the what I see with the charges right now is that it's poor coaching. 
Dallas, on the other hand, you know, I knew this game was going to be tight. And you know who was the difference maker? Their best defensive player, Mika Parsons, making those great frigging tackles on Herbert late in the football game. That's the reason why Dallas had to squeak this through. But I'll give some props to Dak Prescott. You know, he finally found a way to get some good momentum with C.D. Lamb again. So they need to keep that intact. I know they didn't run the ball too well, but, you know, sometimes it's just not going to work out. You know, the Chargers are not a bad defensive team. I knew it was going to be tight. Somebody has to win the game. I blame Brandon Staley. And, yes, I will blame a bit Justin Herbert. He was not great in this football game. Yeah, no, he wasn't. And, you know, it's like I just, just mentioned to you, I think that you uh, you need to find ways to get the ball into to Johnson's hands. Like, he's really been uh, invisible and was definitely in that game as well. But, yeah, you know, it's it's frustrating. I can, I can imagine being frustrating as a, as a Chargers fan. A game like you feel like you should have, a game that's at home. Um, and, you know, really the Cowboys didn't do all that much impressive in this game. Like they did make timely plays, don't get me wrong. Dak did a great job of buying time, of hitting Prescott uh, for, you know, a nice dig route over the field there. And like I said, Pollard's play at the beginning of the the fourth quarter was huge, set up Brandon Cooks' touchdown. Brandon Cooks had a pretty good game as well, but this was a very winnable game for the Chargers. And, you know, late in the season, when they miss the playoffs by a game, they're going to kind of look themselves in the mirror and say, look, this is uh, one of the games that we should have had. So big win by the Cowboys. I'm not sure if I'm ready to say the Cowboys are back on track, although they are sitting at 4-2, second in their division, and now only a game behind the Eagles after the Eagles lost. So that could be a a tough race to the end. But yeah, tough loss for the Chargers there. Let's uh, continue. On with the games, Dom. Let's go with the Miami Dolphins versus hey. the Carolina Panthers. The Dolphins take it 42 to 21 after a small scare in the first quarter with Carolina yep. winning the first quarter for sure, scoring 14 points. I gotta give a little bit of props to one guy that you know he's really old, well, old-ish, and he's still doing what he needs to do. That is Adam Thielen. Yes, balling out worth 11 receptions, 115 yards, one TD on 13 targets. There's two ways to look at this for Carolina. Let's start here. You know, is Adam Thielen the entire offense of the Panthers? Because first of all, the Panthers are 0-6. So if that's the case, they're just not winning. So why not change it up a little bit there? So you could say, you know, Adam Thielen still kicking it, but on the flip side of the coin, you're not winning any football games, so it's not a good game plan. So that's on Carolina's coaching staff to do a better job. As for Miami, wow, Miami just is clicking, eh? Aren't they just clicking? Down 14 nothing. what do they do? Wow, oh, let's just go score 21 points in the second quarter. I told you from the very get-go of the season, no matter what happens to the Miami Dolphins this year, whether they're down in football games, they have the power to come back. And that's the key right now. Out of all the NFL, the one thing is you got to be able to come back at any point in time and to be able to score points on the board. Whatever Miami's doing right now, it is working. And I think we talked about it earlier this year. It is the tempo of this offense. Tua Tagovailoa, 21 for 31, 262 yards, three TDs. Monster game in my opinion. He's had bigger games, but in this game, for me, it was what counted. Tyreek Hill, six receptions, 163 yards, one TD. You know, this offense is just rolling. And Raheem Moster is having a phenomenal year with 17 carries, 115 yards, two TDs. I think he's leading the league in rushing TDs. This team has it all. This team is currently probably the best team in the NFL, even though, you know, there's a lot of good teams, but the Miami Dolphins don't get enough credit. I'm giving them credit right now this week. Right now, as we sit today, the Miami Dolphins are the best team in the NFL. Hey, I love that. Well, that's definitely, definitely music to my ears. And yeah, it was that tough first quarter there for Miami, down 14 zip. That first quarter reminded me a lot of what happened in Buffalo. Carolina just running up the middle, getting everything they wanted. Adam Thielen tearing it up in the game, and especially that first quarter. But yeah, just the way they're able to score, it's it's almost uh, like it's effortless, or they make it seem like it's effortless. Just, you know, moving the ball down the field, taking your shot with Tyreek when it's there, having Tyreek when, you know, a post down the middle and cutting it short for like a game. 25 and 30 the motion's been working really well uh like you said motion's been having a great year and i think that the one thing that i like about two of this year is 
he, there, there are plays this year where he has thrown the ball uh, into double coverage when he shouldn't. And I really feel like last year he was doing that more because he was wanted to prove he had an arm. But I think that this year he's playing it better and playing it smarter and taking his check down when, it, when it's there. He's been using Braxton Berrios in key moments, which is good. And, you know, he used uh, other players even more. He most out of the backfield as tight end, Durham Smythe. So all that's super important. I think that the McDaniel, is, he's been getting a lot of credit, and I think rightfully so. He looked at one of their touchdowns in the game, and it was just the motion that Carolina completed completely confused that even if I caught the ball at that at that uh, spot in the field I would have been able to run in for a touchdown it was just that easy and that effortless so yeah credit to Miami curious to see what they do this week they got the Philadelphia Eagles that'll be a big test and um yeah things are looking bright for them and for Carolina I love what Adam Thielen's doing I I, I was fairly impressed with Bryce Young in this game you know he was dropping back and, and hitting his guys at, at the end it just seemed a little too much for him to handle Miami was bringing the blitz and he just wasn't able to to get rid of the ball uh accurately enough or on time so look at this rate honestly it looks like they may have the number one overall pick and it's what do you do if you have the number one overall pick? My my guess is you take Williams, maybe you try to trade Bryce Young. Uh, we'll see. But I think this team is still good enough to win at least a few games. Uh, talk about a weird week. Let's go to the uh, Sunday night football game. The New York Giants, the Buffalo Bills, the Bills winning 14-9 to in this game. There's a lot you can say about this game. One of them being uh, the you know the last drive there by the New York Giants. You know the Giants often didn't look great in this game. You know credit to them to get in position to win the game near the end. Uh, the pass interference penalty would set them up, up at the one yard line, and then the non call at the end of the game, which should have been a call. You know Darren Waller got held. For me, it seemed the refs didn't want to throw back-to-back flags and just being the, the you know the heat of the moment. It's like you don't want to fear giving the game to the Giants. Look, a flag is a flag in this situation. I think that the flag should have been thrown there. Nonetheless, the New York Giants did a good job getting the ball down the field, but it's up to them to finish drives. And unfortunately, they just weren't able to finish drives. They had three field goals in this game, uh, no touchdowns for the New York Giants, and ultimately that's what ended up uh, biting them in the butt. Uh, the Buffalo Bills squeak, squeak by with this victory. They were down 6 nothing in the fourth quarter. It just mind-boggling. I thought the Bills were going to come in here. They were going to destroy the Giants with uh, without... Daniel Jones with Tyrod Taylor starting, who had just been signed with a bind up Saquon Barkley. Really weird game. Credit the Bills defense in this one, winning, uh, you know, winning this game, only giving up nine points. But Buffalo, the Bills offense looked a little, you know, confused in this game. And Allen didn't look like his usual self. Four and two right now, the Buffalo Bills are. And I don't think that this is exactly where they want it to be at this point in terms of the way they're winning games. But still, nonetheless, a win is a win. And Buffalo squeaks got the Giants 14 to nine. Yeah. Buffalo, you know, Obviously, they should have won this football game. They were 14 points favored. I mean, this was like beyond belief when it was, you know, coming into the fourth quarter. I can believe Buffalo it. Buffalo hadn't scored yet a touchdown. But yet, Brian Dable used to be part of that organization. So I have to think that he had a good game plan going on how to contain Josh Allen. And the good thing that I thought that Buffalo did is that they never let up running the ball. And you see, even though they only came in at the very end, by still keeping that defense a bit off balance, they were able to win when it was all said and done. So credit to the Buffalo Bills for sticking with the run, even though it didn't look pretty throughout the entire game. And for the Giants, you know, let's give some props to Bobby Okiriki. This guy was a machine out there, and that's the reason why the Giants really stayed in there. He was left and right, up and down, you name it. He was there and put a lot of pressure on those Bills. But for the Bills moving forward, I'm still looking for another big star out of Buffalo other than Stephon Diggs. It's kind of like the similar situation that Cincinnati is going through. You know, you got mm-hmm. great tandems, but at the end of the day, you need to find other another tandem or another big player to step up in the organization, specifically for the Buffalo Bills. We talked about it last week. Uh, there was a rumor this week that uh, maybe Leonard Fournette might be visiting the Buffalo Bills, but that was quickly squashed. Those rumors are out there for a reason. And I think Buffalo knows they need to add a little bit more talent because that's the talent that's going to take them over the top. But congratulations, they win this game 14 to 9. Yeah, and you know, we're talking about the uh, the Giants there and that defense. Uh, they really reminded me of the Jets defense, just the, the way they played and, the, you know, the passion that, uh, you know, sparked uh, them in that entire first half and really entire three quarters. They were jumping everywhere and there was nothing easy for Josh on. Only 169 passing yards in this game. 
19 completions, two touchdowns, and a pick. And there was EI. Yeah, every yard earned by the Buffalo Bills was that was definitely a hard one there. So shout out to the Giants and that defense. Uh, offensively, you know, unfortunately, just been a little bit flat this year. They have sitting out one win on the season. Hopefully, they're able to get uh, Daniel Jones back and healthy uh, to be able to uh, to try and put up points that we know this offense can based on what we saw last year. All right, let's continue to uh, recap games. Yeah, let's talk about the Detroit Lions versus the yes. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kind of like a bizarre game because Tampa Bay only put six points on the board. I think that the game plan, you know, didn't really work for Tampa Bay this week. I think they wanted to introduce Trey Palmer to the world with a couple bombs here and there, but it just it wasn't working. The tempo wasn't there for Baker. It just wasn't working. On the flip side of the coin, the Detroit Lions were really working well. And Jared Goff, he has these games sometimes where you're like, man, this guy's a really good quarterback. And that was one of these games. You know, Jared Goff, 30 for 44, 353 yards and two TDs. Man, they played very well in terms of the receivers out there. You know, Amon Ray St. Brown, 124 yards on 12 receptions with a TD. And Greg Reynolds made a huge, massive block on yes. one of those touchdowns. That was just a killer and uh quite frankly those are the types of schemes that win football games Tampa Bay playing in Tampa Bay is a very hard environment to play in so Dan Campbell you know for I knocked him two weeks ago I'm not knocking him anymore this was all coaching as well they out coached Tampa Bay and that's why they won 20 to 6. And you talk about the receivers there. Yes, St. Brown had a great game. And yeah, one of those TDs was, uh, was like you said, that huge block. Oh, I love that. That's honestly, that's why fo football for me is the ultimate team sport. You need everyone to, uh, in order to uh, win a game. And Jamison Williams, only two catches on the day, but had a really nice touchdown. And I think that that was kind of the dagger in this game. At this point, it was fairly close. And, you know, he got a cut a long bomb. It was a really nice kind of, uh, he contorted his body. He was thrown a little bit to, to, the, uh, to the outside. He was running to the inside. I mean, a nice catch with the defender draped all over him there Jamison Williams in just that one play uh, you see what he's able to do and what he brings out of Alabama so if they're able to get him going this team could be even a little bit more scary they're sitting at five and one right now they've won four straight games no one's been more critical, I guess I could say, of this team preseason than myself and the fact that I see, you know, it's great that this team was close to making the playoffs last year. The story is great. But now they really need to put up or shut up. And they've been putting up. They're sitting at 5-1. and one. Uh, Their defenses look good. Their offenses look good. I think I'm ready to call this team for real. And, you know, we talk, we look at the 49ers and the Eagles in the NFC that just lost this past weekend. Uh, they are all now have one loss. And the Lions only have one loss, too. Are you ready to call the Lions for real, Dominic? Yeah, man. I think last week we were maybe hesitant. We still said it, but now you gotta really say the Lions are for real, for sure. I'm ready to put that stamp about them being real. Yeah, I I gotta say I, I think that uh, like you like I just mentioned before, they are they are for real, sitting now pretty in the division uh, with teams like Minnesota, Green Bay, and Chicago, of course. Uh, struggling on the year, you got to think it's their division to uh, to win right now, and it'd be a, quite a big surprise if they're not able to seal the deal. Uh, let's talk about an AFC game that happened in uh, London this past weekend: the Baltimore Ravens beating the Tennessee Titans twenty four to sixteen in this one. I was impressed with what I saw a little more in, in the first half of this game. He looked good; uh, his, his reads were good, and he was kind of throwing off, uh, you know, basically somebody's off of his back foot was making his throws look pretty easy. He had really one nice throw uh, right; uh, he had to throw it. Side sideways in between a defender and was able to get it there so for the most part I was happy with the way uh, he played in this one his final stats in this game were 21 of 30 only one touchdown uh, pass but 223 yards uh, he did uh, in this game have 62 yards rushing uh, Mark Andrews leading lead with four catches for 69 yards and uh, Tanhill didn't look good. Tannehill looked like Tannehill in this game. And I know he got injured and Malik Willis came in. I'm wondering if it was a little, look, Tannehill's not playing well. He's kind of injured. If he was playing better, maybe we'll keep him in the game. And, you know, now that he's struggling, we'll put in Malik Willis. For me, it seemed to be uh, kind of a little bit like that. I'm not sure Tannehill would have been yanked from this game if he was playing well. Uh, he didn't look good. He just didn't look good. He went 8 of 16, 76 yards. 
no touchdowns, a pick, missing receivers left and right. I really, really do believe this. if this team wants to be somewhat competitive, they need to move on from a guy like Ryan Tannehill. And I know it's, I do sound like a broken record, but you know this team has the talent for the most part on offense when you got a guy like Derrick Henry, you have D-Hop, who is, you know, is not who he used to be, but you're able to get him going. Uh, and I think that you know Westbrook, too, yeah, Nick Westbrook and Keeney is a guy that you know people don't uh, really value, but he is fairly underrated on that squad. Like, it's not the sexiest team in the league. It really really isn't. Uh, so I don't want to make it seem as if this, you know, Tano has the, the weapons the Dolphins have or the Bengals have, but Tano needs to be playing better football. And right now he's not. If, even if Tano's healthy, I think right now I'm giving the keys to Malik Willis saying, you know, you drive this car right now. We're not going in a, you know, a, a great spot. We're not uh, where we want to be right now uh, on the season. We are two and four losing record. I would let him in drive the car honestly, Dominic, at this point. For Baltimore, big win right now. This puts them first in the division, uh, sitting at 4-2. And, two. and uh, yeah, Baltimore gets a, a big win, uh, not at home, not on the road, in a neutral site game and uh, a game in London. Yeah, great football game. I watched this game. I thought it was entertaining. Buffalo takes it, or Baltimore takes it, 24-16. to 16. You know, this came down to coaching. It's that simple. And, you know, as much as we want to criticize Ryan Tannehill, as we did a bit with the QBs like Geno Smith, it's kind of like, like one of those situations where when a guy has been, you know, in another organization like the Dolphins, and he's been the reason why they moved on from him. So again, you're, you're, you're trying to get that confidence and he just does not have it. He doesn't yeah. have it at all. And the plays that are being called to him aren't great plays. I'm a big Mike Vrabel fan, but he's not calling great plays. You got to get your quarterback to get some confidence right off the bat, right out of the gate, especially against a Ravens D the Ravens D are strong. Don't get me wrong. It's complicated to pass down the field, but the more you do it early, the better you're going to be able to put the defense on their heels. And we just didn't see that Derek Henry. Yeah. He did break one for 63 yards, but other than that, he was bottled up in this game against the Ravens. So the game plan was weak for Tennessee. I don't think Ryan Tannehill throwing him under the bus will be the answer for Tennessee. They're sitting here at two and four. Granted, you know, you're out of the playoffs. You know, you're not looking good. But I still think there's a long season ahead of you. Right now is the critical moment. Are you playing for this year or are you playing for next year? I think they got to stay the course and keep Ryan Tannehill in there and give him the opportunity to pass deep. Whether he's successful at it or not, it's beyond, you know, like at this point at two and four, you you might as well gamble and go for it. And I think Tennessee will. I think Tennessee will bounce back because they do have Hopkins. And whatever happened to Oquanko, he was one of the big tight end darlings last year. He's been silent all year. So that's coaching. That's too conservative. I do like my coaching uh, that are sometimes conservative to stay tight in the football game. But in this situation, the quarterback needs to gain confidence. And the plays that are being called aren't providing him that. So that's how I saw this football game. I don't think Tennessee's dead. I think Baltimore had a great game plan and hats off to Harbaugh. He always comes in prepared. He could have lost this football game, but they found a way to win. Baltimore takes it 24-16, but I do think Tennessee will bounce back. I like your take on this one a lot. I've always found, especially this year, we're able to be a more conservative coach, not necessarily even in his play calling, but just the fact that his unwillingness to go for on fourth down, kick field goals, and, you know, uh, kind of settle for, for three points when you really should be uh, going for seven and playing a, a good team in this one. So, yeah, I think it'll be cool to see what happens next game. Not sure the extent of Tannehill's injury. We should get uh, a report uh, later on uh, in the week. And, uh, and yeah, Tennessee falling to two and four. Lucky that, you know, this division is kind of up for grabs. Uh, Houston Texans get a big when they're sitting at three and three so kind of uh, you know a cluster of uh you know teams sitting around the same record in the afc south all right we got our picks to do coming up with the thursday nighter tonight but before we jump into that uh, we got a few injury uh issues to deal with jimmy g uh did not finish the game against the new england patriots uh, had a back injury it looks like he avoided serious injury it seems to be good news that's the reports that we're getting uh so thank god for that because yeah he didn't uh, he didn't look too good when he was uh, escorted from the the field there so jimmy g fairly good news there unfortunately for anthony richardson dominic he's left 
likely going to be done for the year. And I don't think they realized at first how serious his injury was going to be. Because when the reports came out when he first got injured, it was, yeah, Minshew's going to, you know, play uh, play the next game and, you know, however longer. But I don't think that they anticipated for him to be done for the year. A really big blow for this team, but specifically Anthony Richardson, who is having a fairly good year as a rookie. And I really hope this doesn't stunt his development because, uh, you know, when you play your first few games and you feel like you have the NFL, uh, you know, kind of uh, figured out, but you feel like you got the groove and then to be injured for the rest of the season, especially as a quarterback, is a tough blow to this Colts team, Dom. So looks like Richardson, unfortunately, will be missing the rest of the season. Not official, but that's what it appears to be. Thank God they signed Taylor. Looks like they're going to be pounding the football in Indy. And they got Gardner Minshew. So, yeah, they didn't have a great game against Jacksonville. But I think Indianapolis will be competitive regardless for the remainder of the season. Yeah, they got, like you said, solid backup there. We didn't talk about uh, all the games. Washington had a nice victory over the Atlanta Falcons. Minnesota squeak one over the Chicago Bears. We had a snoozer on Thursday Night Football. The Chiefs not looking great offensively, winning 19-8 to against their rivals, the Denver Broncos. Houston winning 20-13 to over the Saints. Uh, we just talked about the Colts. They lost their game 37-20. to Big win there by the Jags. Uh, Patriots losing again, not able to put up points, losing against the Raiders and uh, yeah the Rams got back on track winning 26 to 9 over the Cardinals good victory there for them all right we're going to jump into our week seven picks starting with the game happening tonight the Jacksonville Jaguars at the New Orleans Saints uh, Saints coming off a loss against Houston Houston sitting pretty now at three and three we got the Saints covered by one and a half down this is going to be a defensive battle a low scoring game I just like New Orleans when they play at home. I'm going to take the Saints. Alvin Kamara having a good game. Give me the Saints 17-13. I'm going to go with the Jags here in this one. I think the Saints are favored primarily because they're home. I just think Jacksonville is the better team. You know, they showed it uh, this week that, uh, you know, they could be a team to be messed with in the AFC. And, you know, New Orleans, I just haven't seen enough out of car in this offense, unfortunately. So I'm going to go Jacksonville wins 27 to 22. Next up, we've got the Washington Commanders at the New York Giants. Washington favored by two. I'm going to go with Washington to win this game and also to cover. Give me Washington 29 to 20. Uh, I Washington is has been up and down this year, but I don't think I, I saw them having a 500 record at this point. I thought they'd be at two and four, maybe even one and five at this point, but they're sitting at three and three. So give me Washington to beat their division rivals. I'm going to go 29 to 20. Yeah, this is a must have game for the New York Giants. And it's all going to come down to whether or not Daniel Jones plays in this football game. I'm going to say he does. And I'm going to say the Giants will win in a shocker in overtime. Give me the Giants 30 to 27. Right, nice little so division games, usually nice and close. Another division game here. We got the Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay favored by two and a half. Both teams coming off a loss. Ooh, this is a really tough game. Two and a half spread. You know, I really don't like Atlanta's quarterback. And I'm going to have to say Tampa Bay bounces back. Give me Tampa Bay at home, 27-14. I'm going to go Tampa Bay as well here. They win this game 25-20. to uh, Baker Mayfield gets back on track. He had a tough week against the Lions. And I think this one will be close. It will be close throughout the game. But I think that Tampa Bay ultimately prevails and they go to 4-2. and two. Next game should be a good one. we got the Detroit Lions at the Baltimore Ravens. Oof, that's potential for game of the week. Baltimore favored by three. Who do I got Give me the upset. Give me the lines. I said the lines are for real. I'm sticking to it. They go to six and one. They win in what should be and will be the game of the week. 33-27 here. The Detroit Lions win in overtime on a long bomb touchdown from Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown. Lions win, improved to six and one. Now this is a tough one to call. I'm just, I got to go with Baltimore in Baltimore. I think I told you with Jared Goff, you never know what to expect. I don't think he's going to have a great game against Baltimore. And that's the difference maker. The defense of the Baltimore Ravens will outclass the offense of the Detroit Lions. Give me Baltimore 20 to 13. Alrighty, close game there. Next up, we got the Cleveland Browns at the Indianapolis Colts. Both teams with three wins on the year. Cleveland on the road, favored by two and a half. I'm sticking with the home teams this week. So far, two and a half spread. Very bizarre spread. Cleveland should be favored a little bit more. I'm going with Gardner Minshew at home to bounce back. I think he's got a good rapport with Josh Downs. I think that continues. 
Give me Indy in this game, 27 to 24. I'm with you on this one, too. I'm going to go with the, the Colts winning this game as well. I think it'll be the low-scoring kind of battle. Not sure Deshaun Watson's availability in this one. I think whether he plays or not, the Colts find a way to win this game. I'm going to go final score, 20-17 to 17, Indianapolis. All right, Las Vegas Raiders at the Chicago Bears. Raiders favored by three. Jimmy G status up in the air. But honestly, at this point, it don't matter who quarterbacks for the Raiders. They're playing the Bears, and the Bears have looked anything but good this season i think the raiders win this game they improve to above 500 they go to four and three final score 27 to 16 here and yeah the raiders are able to steal one at home against the bears now this is going to be a bizarre game we're not even sure who the quarterback will be i gotta agree with you william the raiders just need to have this football game i don't care who's the quarterback I really don't like the Chicago coaching staff. They were not great from the very get-go. It showed against Minnesota. That trend will continue. Give me the Vegas Raiders, 32-13. to 13. Alrighty, next up we got an AFC East matchup. Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. Buffalo favored by 8.5. You know, New England. Who are the New England Patriots? This team utterly sucks and for whatever reason this will be the upset of the week it's Dominic, like bill, you beat me to it you beat like, me to it it's like bill belichick just wakes up you know once a week you know and be like oh who am i playing this week right now oh it's buffalo oh well, look at the game plan i have out of nowhere the new england patriots will come out with a great defensive scheme and for whatever reason will beat the buffalo bills the upset of the week New England takes it 20 to 17. Uh, Dom, you beat me to it. I was ready to surprise you, pull off a Jets Eagles upset uh, similar to last week. I I have a very similar score to you and a very similar reason for the victory. I think it's going to be a low-scoring, ugly game. They're going to run the ball a lot with the Patriots. And I think that, you know, at home in this one, again, they have to have to save their season. Not sure, you know, if Mac Jones is going to start or Bailey Zappi or what the heck they decide to do. But I can see them slowing down the Bills' offense. Not shutting them down, but slowing them down. I'm going to go final score 21-20 here. And the Patriots pull off the upset and win by one. Next up, Pittsburgh Steelers at Los Angeles Rams. Rams favored by three. Pittsburgh coming off a bye week. The Rams coming off a nice victory. I got a good game here. 27-24 final score. The Rams win exactly by three points what they're favored in. Uh, I think, that, you know, the Rams are going to find their footing eventually and be a more consistent squad. And I think it's going to have to come uh, against a team like the Steelers. And I know the Steelers have a great defense, but I expect uh, a little bit more of the Cooper Cup Nakua action here. And yeah, the Rams are able to pull off the victory by three. Yeah, this is a tough one to call, but I think you're right on the money with the Rams. They won't have a great running back. Both running backs are banged up entering this football game. But like you said, the passing game will be there for the Rams. The Rams take it as well, 27-24. to 24. Next up, our 4 o'clock slot, Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. We got the Seahawks favored by 7.5. You know, poor Arizona. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. And right now, they're just they're not good. So it's really hard to call an upset here. I'm not doing it. I'm calling Seattle in a blowout. Give me Seattle, 28-13. to 13. You know what? I'm not calling the upset either, but I think it'll be tight. A divisional game. Uh, you know, I know it's in Seattle. I know they have their home crowd. Seattle hasn't looked great. They just been up and down, right? And they're sitting at three and two. So you know, they win this game. They're four and two. Okay, they have nothing to worry about. But Arizona has even though they're one and five. They looked a little bit better than I expect. But I do think Seattle will come up with the victory. I'm going to go low scoring, 17-16. The Seahawks get the W. Next up, Green Bay Packers at the Denver Broncos. We got Denver uh, underdogs in. This one, Green Bay favored by one and a half. I just can't pick Denver until they show me they're able to win games, put up points, do something special, grab my attention. I'm not picking Denver for that reason and many more. I'm going Green Bay. Final score 27 17 Packers. I can't believe the Denver Broncos are going to be one in six after <laughs> this football game. I agree with you. Jordan Love wasn't that bad at some points during the season. So I'm going to say that he's going to have a better game than Russell Wilson. As a result, Green Bay takes it 24 to 20. Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs favored by six. Two and three are the Chargers. It's crazy to say it's almost uh, going to have a game for them as they're playing Kansas City on the road. But it may just be the case, Dominic. Kansas City favored by six. This is a tough one to call. You know, 
the Kansas City offense isn't that great. We saw it against Denver. You know, Denver, they, they needed it last week. Clearly, they put up a good fight. But KC, there's just not enough points being scored. And it's not, not surprising. I'm going to call a little upset here. Give me wow. the Chargers to upset the Chiefs 23-20. to 20. Why? I, I I like it, and I think it's a bold and aggressive. I just don't touch, trust the Chargers at this point. And, you know, Kansas City's offense hasn't looked great either. I, I think it will be tight, and I do think that down the line, uh, I'm going to go 23-19 to 19 late in the game. Uh, Mahomes brings a two-minute drill and is able to hit Kadarius Tony for the touchdown with just a few seconds left. Kansas City wins 26-23, and they improve 2-6-1. and one. Next up, Miami Dolphins at the Philadelphia Eagles. We talk about potential game of the week. Both teams sitting at 5-1. and one. Game is in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Eagles are favored by two. Oof. I think the Dolphins are going to be teed off. The, the Eagles are favored in this one. They're going to come out hot. They're going to come out aggressive. I expect a high-scoring game. Number one, because Miami's offense has been the best in the league this year. And number two, because the Dolphins' defense hasn't been great against the run. And the Philadelphia Eagles love to run the football. I expect a shootout. I'm going to go 37-33. Final score. Give me my Dolphins. They improve to 6-1. and one. This is a potential Super Bowl matchup. Hey, this good game, call. This game will be all about the trenches, which defense outclasses the offensive line. And I saw those Eagles, you know, that offensive line is really good against the pass. So I'm going to go with the Eagles reluctantly. I'm taking the Eagles 30 to 25. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Good point there. Monday night football, we've got the 49ers against the Minnesota Vikings. San Fran favored by seven on the road. Ooh, really tough one. I don't know about this one. Brock Purdy just went through his adversity. Is he able to overcome another adversity? You know what? I'm going to say he does not. I think wow. that Minnesota at home with that horn and the Vikings and the fans, you know, that's going to be loud. I'm going to call an upset here. The Vikings take it 27 to 23. Well, you're a lot braver than I am. I'm going to go 27-13 San Fran in this one. Minnesota had the opportunity to put up a bunch of points this week. And I know Justin Jefferson is out there playing the Bears. And a win is a win, so they won nonetheless. But this team has just has, has been impressive. And look, sitting, if they're able to get this win, that'd be a huge win for them playing one of the better teams at 3-4. and four. And we don't know who's going to be available for the 49ers, but I just think the 49ers find a way to come and pull off the victory here. All right, we got a couple minutes left on the show Dominic what are you most looking forward to week seven this week we got a lot of divisional matchups we got a lot of great uh, games with two top heavy teams battling it out what do you look forward to week seven well we talked about it during the show I want to see the Chargers really be who I think they can be but they need to find a way to get some more offense. So I'm keeping an eye on Quinton Johnston. I really think this guy needs to become a star for the Chargers for them to be relevant at all this season. Because right now, they're sitting at 2-3. and three, So this is a huge game. And I think they will find a way to beat Kansas City because they'll have just that bit more offense that Kansas City will this week. I like it's a good take there, Dom, and it'll be uh, interesting. Hopefully the Chargers are able to pull it out. I like the Chargers. I like Herbert. It'll be nice to see uh, an upset as we have throughout the course of the season. Speaking of the upset that you and I both called, Patriots over the Bills. I want to see Buffalo and this offense not only put up points and win this game, I want to see them put up 40. Well, I don't want to see them do this because I'm a Dolphins fan, but if I'm a Bills fan, I want to see 40-plus points here. Buffalo's offense has been on and off throughout the course of the season. They're playing a good and stingy Patriots defense, and like you said, Belichick always comes up with these weird schemes that seem to work against division rivals. If you're Buffalo, go out there, stop on the Patriots. You're a much better team. Crush them. 40 to 7, 40 to 10, 40 to 13. You know, make it seem as if they're a CFL team and you guys are in the NFL. Buffalo needs to start putting up points and, you know, putting up uh Point with a little bit more ease, I guess I can say, and you know, get other guys involved rather than Stefan Diggs because this team is good, but right now I feel like they're predictable. Um, and I want to see them go out there and put at least a 40 burger. And I want to find out who this real Bills team is because maybe they're not the team of old, maybe they're going to win games 20 to 17. I don't think that's their style, but we'll have to wait and see. So I'm going to keep an eye on that game. All right, folks, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Power Hour. Without you guys, there is no show. We'll be back, same place, same time next week. Enjoy the game tonight. You were listening to CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal.